Howdy, hey, hello, it's McKenna, and welcome back, Munch and Mingle. He's back. <laughs> I'm going to call him exactly what he knows, America's state president. You know him, you love him, president, or just David Merrill. It's good to hear David. <laughs> <laughs> His last episode, it was the end of last year. Mm-hmm. That was such a an enlightening episode and apparently the rest of the munch and mingle crew agreed number one episode and so of course we had to bring him back we figured he had some more to say and i'm happy to be back it was really fun i mean really had a good time and that's what it's really all about yeah so thank you no thank you so before we start you've got some munchies and i'm very very excited because these aren't just any normal munchies i can go run down to walmart to get nope Nope. We have the official Hawaii pineapple chewy candy, and the best ones are the lychee chewy candy from the Dole Pineapple Plantation on Oahu. Oh, what is lychee? I don't even know. I've heard it's a a Hawaii thing, but well, actually, it's it's uh, they have it all over the all over the Far East. Um, Oh, they Singapore. They grow them in in Malaysia, Taiwan, places like that. Okay, yeah, and it's super good. It's a round fruit. I served my mission in Chicago. Illinois, and um, but I went Chinese Mandarin Chinese speaking, and so and also for two months I did Spanish, so I did Spanish and Chinese. I actually have mission badges, one in Spanish and one in, <laughs> in Chinese. I don't have an English badge, and uh, but anyway, so they they use. I saw it there first, and they cook oh all kinds of great soups and curry dishes and things like that. Looks like a white eyeball oh. in there, but but it's it's round, and they are super sweet, interesting, and they are delicious. And so hmm. you have your lychee candy, and it is magical. So yes, that's what our treat it's like is a taffy. Stuff. It is. It's so awesome. Yeah, but they have lots of lychee stuff in in, mm-hmm. in Hawaii Wait. too. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing mm-hmm. these. What are some things that we could talk about? You know, Dave and I had kind of gone back and forth on certain things, and I I so wish you as an audience could be here for the prep, the show prep that happens. This happened on our first episode. We go through so much, and I just wish I could hit record at the beginning because you already just say so many things that I know we're not going to be able to cover. I have a feeling what we will cover today definitely is going to be needful for someone in this audience to hear. First things first. Mortality, our mortal life. No, super easy. Super (laughs) easy. Thank you. Give me the good ones. Not vague, not broad at all. (laughs) Basically, what is normal and what can we expect in this life? I think 100 years ago, it was pretty standard. I felt like everyone kind of knew their route, their Mm -hmm. pathway, whether that's in anyone's opinion, good or bad. Nowadays, anyone's just trying to figure out what is the next step on this path. Yeah, I mean, we live in such a, I'll say just boldly, we'll say we live in a wealthy world. And and that's kind of the joke that everybody has. You have first world problem. Yeah. And, and we have a lot of those, right? And it's, you know, we have all these great things. We have iPhones and we have Air Jordans and we all, even, even the poor among us live a fairly affluent life relative to times of past and even in some countries today. And so we're kind of used to that and, and hardship looks a little differently And so we have these sort of expectations about what life is. And so when I look back, I always think, you know, you know, I've talked about this many times. I'm I'm with you. I love our off microphone discussions (laughs) that just go on and on and on. And they're so, so awesome. When you think about things, I I think the importance so much is around what happened in the Garden of Eden. I think there's so much philosophy and learning that we, we tend to kind of look creation as sort of a scientific expose on how things were. And it, it never was meant to that. 
to be that. It's more of a philosophy about what to expect from life, plan of salvation, what Heavenly Father wanted us here to become, what to expect from life is really, really what Eden is all about. And I think some of the most important elements of Eden, and I think we might have even mentioned this the last time, but you know, the idea that, you know, first when he talks about creating men and women and the purposes of that, we get little glimpses of what that's supposed to be. And then he tells us to cleave unto one another. And then he says, become one flesh. Yeah. Right. Lots of meanings in that phrase there. And I remember as a kid that really just threw me off and it sort of has, you know, all kinds of overtones and things like that to it. But what you learn over time is what he's telling you is I want you to become a new person, a whole person together in Christ. And there's a value and benefit in society, in your family of you being this unified person. It's going to change you and it's going to improve on the worst nature of men and it's going to take the worst nature of women and elevate them together. You're going to become something even more powerful and it'll elevate the good to levels that you can't even understand. And we don't know that until we've actually, if you will, married, become and start working on that. And then you bring little children into the world. And that, mm-hmm. of course, changes the whole thing. You know that. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> but, but I think the other thing about Eden and, and what to expect from life is really more towards the end when he talks, when the Lord talks about, and also we learn from the temple that we talk about when Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. You know, God told them that by the sweat of your brow, you shall eat bread all the days of your life. And that's not just a, oh, that's what Adam's going to have to go do. I'm not going to provide for you anymore. That's not just about Adam. Remember that we know from the temple, Adam represents all of us mm-hmm. and what God's plan is supposed to be. And so he's telling you, life is going to be work. You're going to be working by the sweat of your brow your whole life. There's going to be hard times. You're going to have to fight and scratch and try to figure out how to make a living, how to choose a job, all the things. So having that expectation helps me, at least, realize, hey, this is the gig. Coming here, this is what it's supposed to be. And the upside of things, the blessings that we have and the little joys in life and our kids, the times that we have, relative ease, man, it just makes you be really, really grateful for those kinds of things. Right. The Lord also tells us that as they were expelled, that we have to come to know for ourselves the good from the evil. So it also tells us an expectation about what we're supposed to experience in life. It is not going to be roses, right? It's not going to always be lychee candy everywhere we go, right? It, we're going to go out and we're going to have to know what evil is. Those and, dang strawberry candies. Yes. That think they're good. Yes. They're not. You always had to try it to figure it out. Just like the fruit. Just <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you wow. really went there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. But I think that's the key thing, is that we can learn a lot from Eden about what to expect from this life. And then we realize, you know, having the hard times, you know, we spend so much time, you know, social media talking about our, we glorify, uh, you know, talking about our difficulties. We glorify people's hard times. Yeah. You know, we've become, it's it's almost become in some times in society, a little bit victim mentality where you're you're glorified for breaking away from norms, suffering from the struggles, and then feeling like I went through something that never should have happened to me. And in reality, what we should be doing is finding the joys in those good moments because most of it is going to be tough. We're going to see good evil. We're going to have to work hard. And when we approach life that way, man, it helps to really focus on joy and meaning rather than the negative parts of things. For anyone who's trying then to to get back on path, Mm -hmm. how do we start getting back to basics? That's the hard thing. And because we know from the plan too, I mean, the adversary is going to steer you away from anything that is kind of 
helps you get back on those. And seems and, like he's gotten louder for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and we've allowed him to do that. I think in many ways, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, as a people, you know, you just look statistically at what's happening in the world. We're doing all the things that are breaking, if you will, a little bit of the so well, not a little bit, a lot of the social norms of of life. I mean, we have two thousand, three thousand, four thousand years, and and then if you go all the way back to Adam, we have thousands of years of of these grand experiences and experiments, philosophies that have just grown and, and improved and all those different kinds of things built, built us into the society that we have today. But now we want to take quick little ideas that we've come up with in the last, in terms of time, the last five minutes of time. And we want to say, let's break all the, the good social structures, all the things that made us and help us advance. We want to throw all that away. Then we wonder why we're confused and why we're struggling, because none of these things have been tested. A lot of the things we're experimenting with now, all those things, things that we're struggling with, we're wondering why we're struggling. It's if we went back to some of the, the more principles that we've known for thousands of years, hence in the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. those principles there will help us stay on that path. And we, we're looking for exotic things to help us get going, but it's really in the basics. It really is. is. I mean, there's yep. always the guardrails and things. Mm-hmm. There's the covenant path. There's all these little guardrails. But the key, I think, to be honest, is it's sort of a very Jewish philosophy. But the Jewish philosophy really is is more about your works than anything else. And this isn't to talk about grace and all those different things. What I'm talking about is do good things, and then you'll begin to see the light and the goodness. And so I think that's what Heavenly Father is telling us to do. And that's part of the reason for commandments and really for what the essence of love thy neighbor is all about, is you go out and you use that as a tool to help you keep on the path. When you learn to love your neighbor, to do good things, serve your family, serve your children, serve your husband, your wife, your friends, those that are struggling, serve in your calling, heaven forbid, Mm -hmm. do your ministering, all the things, (laughs) right? They're more than just getting things done in the church. Those are things, those are the good things that will help you see God that will help you find the path back. And so even if you're struggling in faith and you're trying to do all those things, just do some good things. And suddenly the light will come back. And then when you go out and do your scripture reading, or you simply go do your ministering, right? You do your release society calling. Any of those things is those are good things that you do, and then God can speak to you. And that's the key, is turning our face to him. As he's waiting for us to look to him, that's the whole point of knock and it shall be opened unto you. Seek and you shall find. Mm-hmm. We haven't even knocked. We haven't even sought yet. And then when we do, he'll he'll help us figure it out. Yeah. You, something we talked about before we were recording was the crazy crap week is basically what I'm going to label it. That almost lasted two weeks. That mm. it just felt like sucker punch, uppercut, like gut punch time after time. And it, when it started to finally come to a head, it's like, man, why do we have to go? I'll get one bad thing. And, you know, and you still keep praying. But, man, just the constant, continual battering mm-hmm. of your spirit. I guess the only thing I can say is, yeah, I, I actually learned more about God and, my, and me in those hard times. And it made me think exactly what you've taught is the lone and jury world. Mm. And I'm sure Adam and Eve felt it was a pretty crap week mm-hmm. or two. <laughs> Leaving, eating, knowing, Absolutely. seeing it and remembering it. You can imagine Savior probably felt the same in, in Gethsemane. How long is this going to go on? And it does put things in perspective for us. He does have the advantage of being God and, and the capacity in which we're so extremely grateful for. Mm-hmm. But it is in those moments that it's what we have to expect. 
you know, watched a great show, not to endorse it or anything along those lines, <laughs> but, it, but especially all the, the sisters that are watching this, they'll love it. It's this show limitless on the Disney channel with oh. uh, Chris Hemsworth, you know, and, and he's, I've heard about, of course, this. if he's in it, everybody watches it. No. <laughs> it's fantastic. Right. Carolyn's like, yeah, I just watch it for the information. I'm sure. <laughs> But, you know, it's interesting that, you know, he talks about what our capacity to endure things. And, and it's kind of interesting from that perspective of there, there are capabilities that we probably have unlocked in us that we haven't quite figured out yet. But there's a lot of difficult things you have to do to unlock that. And he explores things like, you know, doing difficult things like extreme temperatures or fasting, you know, and get longevity. But I was thinking about that in terms of life in and of itself, right? We're not going to become the person, the woman that you're supposed to be, the man I'm supposed to become. We can't prepare to become godlike unless we build godlike attributes. And that's going to be hard work by the very essence of, of life. And nothing happens unless it stretches us, let alone becoming as Heavenly Father is. And that's what he promised us. We have to kind of embrace the suck a little bit. So true. And, but it's really hard. It doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the difficulty of it. No. Well, and great segue into what we want to talk about next, Revelation. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of decisions to be made in everyone's life. This is something, you know, our family's going through personally. You shared some experiences that you and Carolyn have gone through mm -hmm. in your life. Trying to help <laughs> someone, and I'm sure you get a lot of people in the YSA stake mm -hmm. of decisions to be made. How do you find the strength to just, to just move forward? You know, um, Britain's grandma, she had told us there's power in decision. And I believe that, but mm -hmm. sometimes you are just frozen. Yeah, you're paralyzed by it. Yes. Yeah, that's never happened to me. No. 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 Carolyn always calls me on, and, you know, I'm, I'm anal uh, paralysis by analysis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's true. Well, you know, I tend to overly think things and her a little more get there, get it done kind of things. Right. Help me. You know, and that's one thing, you know, I, I mentioned to you, you know, we did this little trip with the whole stake presidency and we just had this great time together, but we spent a lot of time talking about the roles each one of us fill in the presidency. And, and this is why, again, for me, I, I know Heavenly Father put us together because of the roles and we see how we've blended together. And I'm a little more of the buttoned up philosopher type, you know, kind of thing. And I have my first counselor who's just the kindest man I've ever met in my life. He's the one who always reminds us that we have to say, I love you. And he's the one who always makes sure everybody is loved. And then I have another, my second counselor. He is a, you know, sometimes a bull in a china shop. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's a rough and tumble guy. He's, mm -hmm. he's a builder, but he's fantastic in his own right because he gets stuff done. Mm -hmm. In fact, we decided on this trip that we're going to name the book about our presidency called You Guys Are Driving Me Nuts. No way. <laughs> yeah. That'll be the title I, because I want to write the forward. I yes, don't even know the rest of the presidency. Oh, yeah. I'll just do it for you. <laughs> but a lot of that came because that's what it was. You get you know, thinking about this idea of an, you know paralysis analysis is we're kind of circling around and talking mm -hmm. about it. And there's value in that kind of counseling. But I could see my second counselor once was just he was over there stewing. And I said, <laughs> fine, what do you have to say? And he goes, he, that's what he said. He goes, you know what? You guys are driving me nuts. Let's roll. <laughs> And so that's really, there's some value in those kinds of things. So it seems like there's two types of people, the people that it's like, I have to know every single option before I move. And then sometimes there's the other side where it's okay, I'm moving, but then it's like, oh man, maybe I should have thought about that option as it's passing by. Yeah. That's definitely me. Britain's the other one. <laughs> yeah. He's probably a little more thoughtful. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think what we were talking about off mic was this idea that sometimes, you know, for men, that's a tough thing, right? Yes. Because you feel this tremendous pressure 
not only, you know, you want your wife to see you as somebody who's providing and a protector and all those things. And I think you probably want that. But there's puts a tremendous amount of pressure on making just the right choice. What if I get it wrong? Am I going to screw up the family? Am I going to make these tremendous mistakes? You know, am I going to lead us down the right path? It's not always just about, you know, I want to do the thing that makes me happy, right? Mm-hmm. Steve, Steve Jobs made that comment, you know, years ago. And I, when I did leadership seminars and things like that, or I've done some, some uh, firesides for the young single adults, I have this slide that shows, you know, this quote by Steve Jobs. And in essence, this is paraphrasing, but he said, if you're not doing exactly what you love, you need to bail on it and go find the thing that you love. And then, you know, of course, I have this big horn that sounds and a big slashing universal no sign that appears about it. That is like literally the dumbest advice of all time. <laughs> it's really easy when you're a billionaire to do those kinds of things. Right. But for someone like Britain, who's just trying to pr- pr- provide for his family, or for me when I was young, or even now, as we're you know, looking at opportunities and all those kinds of things, you have to do what's necessary. But you also have to trust Heavenly Father will guide you along the way. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't always just give you that huge, insightful, beautiful, Holy Ghost kind of feeling. Sometimes you sit there for what feels like two crap weeks and you're like, still, we're not, we're not moving. And I don't know. It's that struggle and the weight. But do you think Heavenly Father knows that? Yeah. Of course he does. So he's going to give you based on what you've asked for, depending on which way you're facing. And he's also, he knows exactly what you need. And so he's going to give it to you. And we're just a lot of times just missing the sign. And what I mean by that is... Sometimes he knows the, the struggle you're going through, that you're trying to find the right decision. He knows the time frames. That's one thing. He knows our time frames. And so sometimes in the time frame and you feel like, my goodness, I don't, still don't have the answer, you have to step back and go, yeah, maybe you do. Because Heavenly Father knows I need to make this decision by tomorrow, or I need to answer on this job, or I need to, you know, my lease is running out, or whatever it happens to be. So I've got to move. Heavenly Father knows all that. And if we've gone to him and laid that all out, that please help me. Then all we have to do is go back and look at the decisions that we have in front of us and see the things that if he hasn't just told you outright in some voice or some momentous occasion, then he's saying, hey, they're all, the answers are right here. I've already given them to you. Now make the logical choice. So sometimes it's about changing our own paradigm of how the Holy Ghost speaks and trusting that Heavenly Father and the Savior know the struggle and they know that you're working with. Same thing, we do this in, in callings. Okay, great example. We know when we call a bishop, you know why I say stake? There is really power in the culture that a bishop brings. Mm-hmm. And so there's a tremendous pressure to make sure that the bishop comes and he sets the right culture so he can engage with the members in just the right way. It's different than in a family ward. It's different. And so it's, you, you, there's a tremendous amount of pressure to get it right. But Heavenly Father also knows that the time frames, and he also knows who we have to work with. When, when I go out and I talk to our high council, our stake relief society, and I talk to the local stake presidents and say, would you please prayerfully give me some recommendations? And then we meet with these brethren and their wives. And by the make no mistake, the wife is as much important in that culture and building that ward as the husband. We, we uh, That's a whole other story. But we did a, a lot of research internal to our stake on this and really, really important. So trying to find that right couple, I'll say. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing with that is, is that you, you see all these things and you're saying, which one is the right one? We've got to reorganize this bishopric in the next two weeks here. Do I keep looking? And I always have to remind myself, is I've gone at it prayerfully. We fasted. We've gone to the temple. We've asked all the right people. We've met with these couples so we can just feel that their spirit and what their nature is. And we're down to one or two, and which one do we choose? And in the end, Heavenly Father, He knows those. So I have to look and say, 
What has he given me? What are the clues? And sometimes it's a logical decision, and that's how the Holy Ghost speaks. It's just through logic, because everything else is there, and this is the time frame that with, with, that's been given, so you take it, and you make the decision, and you move on. And I've never been wrong, because in the end, we have to learn to trust Heavenly Father. He knows, and he, sometimes he gives it to us. We just, we're just not trusting him enough. Yeah. Even if we want to trust God, sometimes it's we don't trust ourselves to make that decision. Yeah. Maybe this goes into our next topic is he trusts us with things. He doesn't want to make every decision for us. That would kind of defeat the whole purpose of us coming here. How are we supposed to navigate in a world now? I mean, I know it. If I've got a real big question, I'm not running down to the library. I'm just pulling up Google. Sure. Or mm -hmm. as we know, chat GPT, mm -hmm. everyone's yeah. on it. Yeah, how to navigate things, where <laughs> yeah. truth is, and, and those kinds of things. And that's one thing I think we have to start with the idea that we know that there is, in some things, there is abject truth. I mean, there's truth always. But there are things that, whether an apple is the best fruit, or an orange, or lychee, or pineapple, right? <laughs> yeah. Those things are things that don't really matter. When we go to things in the world that we're struggling with right now, and that's all ChatGPT does, is it go in and they take the, the cumulative information that's out there, and they try to parse it in a way that answers the question that you that you have. But if it has a bad collective of information or a small data set or a data set that's old, any of those kinds of things, you're going to get a limited outcome. They're not really smart. They're just like a, a really big autocorrect, you know, and, and really Apple's never point. been wrong in autocorrect, right? Right. <laughs> right. So, um, but, but it's kind of like those kinds of things. So they're not the thing that are going to allow us to make life decisions based on that kind of thing. And they're easily manipulative and all those things. But one thing we know is not truth is not manipulative. And the Holy Ghost will always witness and testify of that kind of truth. So mm -hmm. if we live our lives in a way within those structures that, and boundaries that keep us focused with families and all the roles that we have that elevate us, that have been time-tested and proven for thousands of years, and then we turn around and say, and I'm going to trust our Heavenly Father. I'm going to keep my eye focused on Him. I'm going to do good things and orient mm -hmm. myself to Him all the time then the Holy Ghost can be with me and witness and testify of real truth. And that's one of those other ways that it's going to help us navigate the complexities of life, I think. Right. But we just don't give credit a lot of those kinds of things. And, and I don't think we think deeply enough about that. Doing my calling really, really helps me. I couldn't imagine now not having a calling. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what it is. You elevate that calling and you'll become Christ-like. Because, I mean, at one point you're, you're going to be released. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And whether or not you get another call right out the bat or you have some time. Yeah. You know what? I learned a great lesson. I mean, before this calling, I was the, I served as a family ward bishop and which was, I, I loved it. It was one of the greatest callings because it made me better. And I spent most of my time when you see people coming in and they're pouring out their soul or dealing with struggles, confession, all those different things. Almost always, my feeling was, I want to be more like you. That's the power of that calling. And I wish everybody could have it. Because you see, as people change their lives, it is imminently inspiring. And so I was this family ward bishop, and I absolutely loved it. And I was released, and then I was called as the assistant to stake executive secretary over in the YSA stake. And I, there was a time, it's a big come down from being involved and having these moments and this kind of thing and working through and seeing the joys in people's lives, even some of the difficulties and some of the weird things people do, because <laughs> they do. Um, <laughs> and they put up with my weirdness too. Uh, yeah. But 
coming from that, and then I felt like there was a moment that I felt like, is this all Heavenly Father wants from me? Is my job was to set the appointments for the stake presidency when members text in and wanted priesthood advancement or needed to be set apart for their calling or just needed to talk or need a temple recommend interview. I I thought, is that all I'm going to do now? So I'm texting. I'm yeah. the texting guy. I'm the t- <laughs> That's what I was. I was just the texting guy. Um, but I learned quickly from that, that over time, that Heavenly Father wants you to, when you hear about magnifying your calling, it's it really just means make it what you can make it. And advance on that and then i'll bless you i'll give you more power right mm-hmm. that's the oath and covenant of the priesthood and that applies to women as well as to men mm-hmm. so he says i'm gonna you magnify your calling i'm gonna expand the power that i give you and i'm gonna open up the confines of your mind and i'm gonna give you blessings i'm gonna give you all that i have and so that's when i really first learned what that meant and i started just realizing well if i do this little extra mile thing it was helpful to the stake president or helpful to one of his counselors. And then pretty soon it just became more and more. And we began to change and do some things that were different. And I just turned it into something that was, you know, we did some technology things and made some things in their lives easier. Then I found I started just kind of, they loved it when I took control of their calendars and their schedule and just told them where to go. And I never realized how important that it was until now I'm in this calling. And I love that too, that my executive secretary just pushes me around a little bit because you have so many other things you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And, and so magnifying that calling and helping it become something really opened my eyes so that when I'm released now, I'm not, I'm not afraid of this anymore. And that's kind of weird to say that. I don't know, but, but I'm really not. Now it's, if I, I would love to be teach priesthood or I want to teach the 16 year olds or, you know, or gospel doctrine, any of those kinds of things. I, I would just love to do that. And it doesn't matter anymore what it is. Because all I know is that's going to make me a better disciple. It's going to make me a better man. And Carolyn likes me better when I'm like that. <laughs> that's something my heart needed to hear. Something we talked about before recording was, I don't want to let go. Mm. It's hard for me to let go and let God. Mm. Specifically when there are certain callings that you're like, I could do this the rest of my life. Mm. I love this. And when you know it's coming to an end, it makes it so difficult. But just what you said is helped. Good. Thank you. Thank so you. much. That was just super fun. Uh, Always is. Every, I mean, I know it's only been two episodes, but still, there's just so much that was in there to take. And I hope whoever you are out there listening, that there is definitely something you were able to take away, if not the whole thing, definitely a little bit here or there. David, you are amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful to you and your family. I know me and my little family love your family and are just grateful to know you guys and no, be in love you too. a sphere with you. And to whoever you are out there, We love you as well. We hope you're doing okay. And above all, whatever you're going through, turn to God. He is there with you. He always has been and he will continue to be.